How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another edition of the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast. Uh, two pieces of, uh, of good news uh, today, co-host Billy Roy. Uh, first of all, it looks like I am uh, I'm moving away from the brink of death uh, by mucus. I'm feeling better. Hopefully, I sound better uh, to all you guys out there. Um, I know for, for a minute there, uh, you guys had to be concerned. I sound like I was uh, just mere inches from my, uh, from my deathbed, but... I got a uh, I got a steroid shot before last night's game, which I attended in person for the first time this year, first regular season game. Uh, and the other piece of good news is that the uh, the stars pulled that one out, so it was the first game that we attended together, Billy, uh, and it was uh, it was a good one. So uh, yeah, stars get the uh, the five three win over Anaheim last night, leading to a uh, another positive podcast. Uh, three out of four so far, right? Did you really get a steroid shot before the game? I really did. I'm not making that up. Yeah. I really oh did. God. I went to uh, I went to urgent care uh, after breakfast yesterday, uh, and and got the old uh, magic steroid shot uh, in my hip. That uh, man, it works wonders every time. It seems like every year I get uh, like bronchitisy stuff, basically. And and the only thing that ever makes me feel better is you know getting the steroid shot and and then getting on some antibiotics and all that kind of stuff. So couldn't miss the big game, man. I had to be at a uh, at full strength for my uh, for my return to the AAC. Well, I wish I had known that because I spent a good 34 minutes with you between the two intermissions walking around the concourse. Yeah, I did not I know that. You, right. I, I didn't realize. Right. I mean, we all knew you were sick, but I didn't realize you were on your deathbed. So hopefully I'll be ready to go for Wednesday's episode. Who knows if I'm going to be sick now. But you picked a good game to come back and make your regular season debut. Five goals in a five unanswered comeback for your Dallas Stars. Yeah, it was really uh, it was it was one of those games, honestly, in the first period, um, then and then in the beginning of the second period, you know, when the when the Ducks built the three nothing lead, that it just felt like, you know, one of those typical Stars losses where you know we're we're outplaying the opposition, um, we we have all the shots basically, um, so many dangerous you know scoring chances, so many good looks, uh, but we get stoned by an opposing goalie. Uh, give up a couple goals with some lax defense and and end up losing the hockey game despite being I think the better team throughout um, and it, it really kind of had that feel in the first period uh, you know with with the Silverberg goal and the Sherwood goal which congratulations uh, first NHL goal uh, very typical stars to give that one up uh, if you're if you're looking to pop your uh, your NHL bubble and and get on the board uh, with your first goal just come play Dallas. Uh, it seems like every single time we have a guy in here that hasn't scored one in the in the big leagues, um, he'll figure out a way to do that against the Stars. But with those two goals, I mean, it was it was ugly. It was uh, the Stars were were getting outworked in front of the net. Uh, the Silverberg shot, Comtois was was basically allowed to just pitch a ten in the crease and and take the eyes away from Hudobin. Uh, and then the Sherwood, uh, the Sherwood goal was was obviously deflected, but um, you know at the same time it was. Uh, you know, he was, he was kind of allowed to cruise through, um, and, and it, uh, it made it a little bit easier on him to get that deflection because Spezza, I think, I think it was Spezza who was on him with just kind of threw his own stick out there and didn't really do much to, uh, to try to take that away from him. So, like I said, it kind of looked in the first period, like one of those, uh, one of those typical Dallas Stars efforts where you, you outshoot the opponent, um, you outscoring chance the opponent and, and then somehow find a way to lose to, uh, to an opposing goalie that, that just won't, uh, won't be perforated, uh, to use a razorism. But, um, other than that, you know, after that, after that power play goal for them, uh, to start the second period, man, that thing just turned around, huh? Yeah. I mean, like you said, I, it was pretty quickly early on where I was thinking to myself after Tuesday's game, seven to four loss that, 
here we go again. This team sucks again. And it's not, it wasn't for lack of effort. Like you said, they were getting a ton of scoring chances. Just Gibson was standing in the way. They did have those uh, tough defensive efforts on those first two goals. The first one in particular was really bad because the entire team started to retreat towards the blue line, which left, uh, who was it, Henrique all alone in front of the net? I think it was Comtois in front of the net. Silverberg had the shot. I think it was Comtois in front of the net. Um, but like you said, all alone. I mean, just standing in front of Hudobin. And, and there's nothing that Hudobin can do in that scenario except try to look around him. Um, and, but it, it was, I mean, it, like I said, he was literally allowed to just camp there. Like he was just standing there for seconds on end and, and not being uh, molested by anybody, just getting to stand there and take away the vision from from Hudobin. And, and it'll lead to those kind of, uh, I don't think Silverberg's shot was, was anything special i think it was well placed but it was kind of a little bit of a floater but you know when when you got a guy in front of the net and and you're losing the net front battle and and there's nothing um keeping him from from taking the eyes away from from your goalie then those little floaters will uh will find their way home so yeah it was a it was a tough one and and then like i said when it got you know it it was kind of a weird tension i think for me watching it because when when the stars got down 3 nothing it felt like at some point, you know, maybe you're digging yourselves too big a hole, despite the fact that it kind of felt inevitable. Like it was one of those games where also just the pure volume of shots and the pure volume of, of dangerous scoring chances, it felt inevitable that they were going to get to Gibson because you can only stand on your head for so long when, you know, a team ends up at the end of the night with, with 50 plus shots. Like you have to be a superhero for 60 minutes to, to hold off that kind of attack by yourself. I think once the stars kind of, um, you know, really began coming, uh, you know, hot and heavy with with some really dangerous scoring chances and and getting some good looks after good look after good look after good look, then you know there was there was definitely a point where Gibson um, kind of turned the corner and and uh, I guess uh, I don't want to say gave up. I mean, obviously he didn't give up, but but there's a there's a point where it's kind of inevitable. And and Radulov's goal I think was kind of the obviously the the crack that finally finally broke the dam for for the stars because that I mean it looked a little it looked a little vindictive I think that's even what Razor said you know on his call of the Radulov goal in the second period that opened the scoring for the stars because you know he takes another stick penalty um, something that he really struggles with and I'm sure something that you know the stars have had chats with him about he takes a lot of stick penalties uh, and puts the team shorthanded a lot um, with letting his you know letting his stick get out of control. Uh, so he came, he came on that power play and, and seemed like, uh, he wouldn't be denied. And, and that was a hell of a shot for sure. That, that kind of got things, uh, got things going for Dallas. Well, and I had mentioned his first three goals of the season were kind of, you don't want to say lucky, but they were, uh, you know, pucks that rattled in off somebody or was a knuckle puck. This was his first goal. That was, I mean, that was a beautiful shot. I think he banked it off Gibson's head. I mean, that's, that's head no hunting at its, that's no head hunting that at its finest. Sure. That's I don't know top. if it went off his head or not, but it, it it was it was certainly you know top shelf. Um, it, he fitted into a very small window, which you know he's he definitely has the ability to do. There are a lot of guys on the Stars team, you know him and Sagan probably one and one a um, as guys that can that can really fit. And and Klingberg too. You look at that Klingberg goal from last night, which we'll get to. Man, there there were some really really nice. Um, Really, really well placed shots for the stars that that finally uh, kind of perforated Gibson. Like I said, I mean, sometimes uh, on nights like that where a guys you know playing really well and, and feeling really good in the opposing net, you gotta you gotta get a couple of those to go in um, 
where, you know, they're just perfectly placed and they kind of get things started. And I think that was, that was Radulov's for sure. And then, you know, finally some, uh, a little bit of depth scoring, I guess you could call the Connor Carrick goal, his first goal as a star. Um, you know, the, the Nachushkin assist was nice. It almost worked twice. So nice. It almost worked twice. Cause I believe, you know, he had the goal to follow up Radulov's, um, to make it three, two, uh, Nachushkin found him all alone in the slot. And it was a, it was a heck of a shot. It was, it was, a. It was good to see, um, you know, him be confident and, and pinch in a little bit from the blue line and, and be willing to kind of get to that. I mean, who doesn't want to go to that high scoring area right there, right in right at the top of the slot. But it was good to see him step in and, and feel confident doing that and, and take a, a really confident shot um, that, that ended up in the back of the net. And like I said, it, it almost worked again. Literally, it looked like a replay um, later on. I believe it was later on. It was later on in the second period. Um, they Natrushkin circled back around. Um, in the in the right corner, kind of around the right face-off circle, and and threw it right back out. Carrick pinched, and they almost did it again. But um, that was a pretty one. And then obviously right after that, uh, I thought the backbreaker, even though it only made it three to three, uh, the the Sagan uh, to Jamie Ben goal was was just so pretty. Sagan draws, you know, two guys, maybe at least two guys, um, you know, that that are that are on the back check against him and and trying to take away his space. Um, maintains possession and then, you know, bends all alone, uh, top of the left circle. And, and there's just, you know, Gibson can't get over, which has been, I think, um, just from reading some of the stuff around and I'm as good as he's been, uh, their defense and, and him, he's had a little bit of trouble covering, um, the other side of the net that way. But like I said, even though that goal, the Jamie Ben goal only made it three to three, it really felt like the backbreaker because it, it felt like the stars had, it, it didn't just feel like the stars had, they had taken over that, that hockey game at that point. Um, and, and it was one of those situations where, you know, it was three to three, but it was, it was inevitable. Like you knew it was coming. The the stars were going to, um, you know, take the lead in that second period. I was, I was almost certain of it. It just had that feel of, you know, they had, they had absolutely turned the corner and, and piled on and Gibson and Gibson, not Gibson, uh, Gibson was, was beat. And you can even see, you know, after Klingberg, um, Klingberg's goal uh, toward the end of the period that made it 4-3, you can look at Gibson and just how defeated he looks because, you know, it was all going so well and he was playing so well, then all of a sudden just boom, 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 boom. Just, you know, within the course of, it was all under 10 minutes, I believe, <laughs> all four goals. And, and I know the Carrick and Ben goals were only like nine seconds apart. So uh, Fast and Furious got to him. Um, I think he looked pretty defeated and obviously didn't even come out for the third period um, at that point. So it was... Man, it was it was an exciting second period and a record-setting one as far as shots go. It was unbelievable, man. Thirty shots in one frame. Um, obviously, I'd never seen anything like that uh, since it was a you know a franchise record since they moved to Dallas. But it was a it was a fun one to be at for sure. I think even the Anaheim broadcast mentioned that Gibson looked like he was hurt after that fourth goal, but there, there's not much he can do when you got a record-setting shot performance uh, happening against you, and. None of the goals that the Stars scored were ones that you can say, oh, he should have stopped that one. They were all four solid goals. Yeah. I mean, maybe Man. the only one you could you could maybe pick apart a little bit was the carrot goal. I mean, it was so it was good puck movement for, for Val to get it uh, to the top of the slot the way he did. Um, and Carrick put a really nice shot. It wasn't exactly, you know, tucked up in the corner like Klingberg's or, or Radulov's were. Uh, but it was obviously good enough because Gibson was, you know, following that puck 
uh, on the pass from Val and just couldn't quite get there in time. So, I mean, even that one, maybe you can nitpick and say that, you know, if he moved a little bit better laterally on that one, he could have got it with a shoulder or a blocker or something. But at the same time, I don't think he had much of a chance because it was just, you know, one-timed uh, really well and, and a really well-placed shot. And, and it doesn't always have to be perfect. It doesn't always have to be like Klingberg's goal, which literally I think was, you know, you know touch paint in the corner uh, in the bend in the pipe. So uh, it doesn't always have to be that perfect, though. Sometimes you just got to get it on net and and get it on net in a good spot, and and that's good enough. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Gibson was hurt. He looked a little bit uncomfortable, but I think it may have been a mixture of of twinging something and you know just the kind of the deflation of of what that period was. I mean, you can't if you're a Ducks fan, you can't blame him. He gave up four goals, but on 44 shots. Like, what's the guy supposed to do? Before he left the game, the Stars had 44 shots. So I mean, four on 44. That's that's rough. That's that's a rough way to uh, to uh, to lose a hockey game for sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he just looked exhausted after that Klingberg goal. He fell flat, face first on the ice, just completely exhausted from having to face thirty shots in one period alone. And like you mentioned, I think we talked about this after the game that you know getting thirty shots in over the course of an entire game is your average. You want like ten oh, yeah. a period, but to have. Th- 44 shots after the second period. I mean, what more can you ask for out of your goaltender? Nothing. I don't think anything. Like I said, I mean, that's just bad beats at that point because, you know, that's that's less than 10% of, of, of shots are going in. That's, you know, a, 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 a 90 save percentage or above. I mean, it's it's not it's not great to give up four goals on any occasion, but, I mean, 44 shots, there's only so much you can do. Um, and then, obviously, in the third period – uh, for the five three, it was it was a little bit of a, a shell uh, period, I guess, for the stars. Um, not as many scoring chances. I think zero high danger scoring chances. We were talking about, um, but obviously it was good enough. I mean, I, I think that they had really kind of broken uh, the Ducks in the second period, and and they had some chances in the third. Notably, was it the was it in the third period when Hudobin had that one that he kind of lost and had to do the uh, <laughs> the NHL um 19 move of just lay down on your back as the goalie had to pull that one off in real life i think that might have been in the third period um the, the I think classic it was. It, he he and he all he also had a chance where somebody for the ducks shot it from the corner and he and hudobin was already starting to come across the crease yeah and almost went too far but he stopped it fortunately yeah and i guess that's a good um like i said i Roddick fox i had the the 200 foot empty net goal a pretty exciting one i always like the empty netters where um, the crowd gets a good three or four seconds of hype wondering if it'll go in and then it does and, and everybody goes ballistic. It was, it was a good empty netter as far as empty netters go. It wasn't a, an easy skate in, get behind the defense and shoot it from, you know, inside the blue line. It was a turn and shoot it from 200 feet away in your own corner, um, and, and get it to go all the way down. It was a pretty good one for, for, uh, his first goal of the year. So, well, you know, and so- Jim, and Montgomery has mentioned that the stars are going to be doing more stuff like that where, you know, late in a game like that, they're just going to dump it down and hope it goes in and they'll oh, risk yeah. it for the well, icing. Well, it, it makes sense because if you remember when, when Lindy Ruff was here, it was a very similar attitude. The year that, I guess it was 2016 or 2015. Um, no, 2016. I'm right. 2016-17 year, I believe. There's one year where the stars, like, ran away with the, the lead uh, and empty net goals, at least at the beginning of the season. I can't remember if they actually finished uh, the year with the most empty netters. I believe they did, but I can't remember. But it was because of that attitude. It's like, hey, we have a lot of skill on this team. You guys can shoot a puck 200 feet. If you get an opening, you know, and there's an empty net, 
you know, if it doesn't go in, then you have time to kind of sit back and, and collect yourself uh, before the puck drops again after the icing. And if it does, then, you know, hey, we just we just made good on on putting this game away. And I think that, you know, when you have that much skill and that many guys um, that can shoot the way they do, I mean, it sounds silly, but hey, you know, these guys can make 200 foot shots. They're, they're NHL players. Dump it down there, put in the general vicinity and, and who knows, see what happens. And and last night that that certainly that certainly put it away. I mean, it was awfully late and, and I don't know if the Ducks were going to score anyway, but you know, it was, it was a good one uh, for sure. So, but like you said, uh, I guess we can transition now into, into Hudobin. Uh, it was the, the first start for him. And you mentioned the, the one chance they had where he kind of came off his post um, on a cross crease or, or a puck going across the ice and, and it got a little hairy. And, and the one goal I would say that you know, we talked about the Silverberg goal and the Sherwood goal and how that was kind of on the defense, especially the Silverberg goal where, you know, Comtois or, or whoever it was was allowed to camp right there and take his eyes away. There's not much you can do about that one. Uh, the Sherwood goal, not much you can do about a deflection if, if your defense is, is giving that up. Um, that was a really nice deflection and, and really hard to track. Uh, but the third goal, the power play goal, um, w- was the one that I think I take issue with from Hudobin because... They were they were carrying it back around the net, and he bit really really hard and came you know a foot off the uh, the short side post and and um, you know when he when he made that move and and bit it made it trivial you know they they passed it right back to to his left and and there was plenty of room there to to stuff it home on the power play so you know and that was a little bit of a theme I guess like you said the other chance um, kind of coming off his post a little bit so that was that was maybe the one thing. I saw from him that was a little shaky or, or maybe a little concerning. Uh, but overall, I thought he was fine. I mean, I, th- I thought he um, was was good enough. I thought that, you know, he was, for a backup goalie to, to come in and get your first start of the year, um, I thought he was fine because I think he'll get more in a rhythm. And, and maybe if, if this is Jim Montgomery's kind of style, because really there was no reason that you had to play Anton Hudobin last night. I mean, the, the team had three days off, you know, Bishop's healthy, um, you know, there's a lot of teams that would say run your starter back out there, um, and then and then give your backup one of the nights of the uh, the upcoming back to back as their as their first start. But maybe Monty's a guy that that likes to get the backup in there and likes to uh, <clears throat> excuse me likes to uh, get them in a rhythm a little bit. And and um, I think Hudobin's a guy that that may benefit from that. Just you know, kind of um, knowing that he's going to go uh, every three to four games and and getting a little bit of a rhythm that way. But overall, I thought he was fine. Yeah, I know you weren't exactly excited. I mean, it's not, like, it's not that you weren't excited. It's that you weren't expecting him to play on Saturday. I really thought he would, and I almost thought about bringing it up on Wednesday's episode because I feel like you see over the years a team wants to get their backup out there within the first couple of games just to get yeah. him game ready for the next season. Um, you don't want the guy to be waiting until November to see his first game. Right, and I don't think it's necessarily the wrong decision. I just think that there's there's arguments to be made for both sides. You know, your stars had three days of rest. There's arguments to be made with the Ducks in town. You run him out there and, and give yourselves the best chance to win um, and then save your backup for the back-to-back. But, I mean, I, I don't disagree with the decision. I think that it also can be really beneficial to, to get, like you said, to get your backup in there and, and get them kind of established and, and knowing that. Because um, I think it's definitely real, you know, even for a veteran like Hudobin, that you know you don't get to play a lot you don't get to develop a rhythm you don't get to develop a confidence you don't get to feel like you know the team wants you out there it feels like you kind of have to be out there you know what I mean so I think it might be you know a plus for a guy like that to 
to get in a rhythm and, and feel like he has a, a defined role to go out there every three or four nights, regardless of whether Ben Bishop is healthy or not. Um, and, and, um, you know, be in the pipes for a game and, and contribute. So I thought, like I said, I thought he was fine. So a couple other notes, um, I know we want to get to just on, on some individual performances, man, I, I like Jake and Jake and Jake and that's his uh, new nickname, Jason Dickinson. Um, I liked him a lot last night. I, I've liked his game a lot, um, this entire season and, and kind of the, the glimpses that we've had of him before. Um, I think he's developed really well. I think he won seven of eight face-offs last night, um, if I'm remembering that right. Had several, um, you know, was a part of several uh, <clears throat> scoring chances, if I remember right. And and I think the thing that strikes me about him is that he's really sneaky physical. You know, he he's really sneaky, heavy on the puck. Um, he's not afraid to mix it up. He's not afraid to uh, step up for a 50-50 battle. Um, he plays the game really hard, uh, plays really hungry. And, and I thought he had a really, really good, uh, night last night for sure. Yeah. You look at his stats, he was out there for 12 minutes and he put three shots on net, which is pretty good. Um, it looks like he also had a, uh, two scoring chances out of those three shots. So I think I like what I'm seeing from him as well. Um, he even played almost as much as Jason Spezza did last night. So I think we'll continue to see more of him out there um, on the second or third line. What do you think? Yeah, and, and it's interesting right now because, you know, this team isn't assigning line numbers, which I think is a funny concept. I mean, your lines, <laughs> the numbers of your lines are who's playing uh, the most in order, whether or not you want to admit that or not or, or label them that way. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there is some merit to it just because, you know, different lines go on different nights and, and maybe you switch them up and, and a certain certain pairing gets more ice time than another just because they're really rolling on a particular night. So I kind of I, I understand at least the unwillingness to say, OK, here's our one, two, three, four lines. But I think that Dickinson is is a perfect, um, you know, second to third potentially even fourth if you want to view it that way, but potentially, you know, second to third based on his ice time and, and all that sort of stuff. I think he's he's kind of a perfect depth guy because, like I said, when you look at, at depth scoring and you look at guys that are going to contribute um, down the lineup some, you want guys like that. You want guys that, that have a scoring touch but also have a nose for the puck and, and also, you know, play with some heaviness and some physicality and some uh, – some some willingness to to battle for pucks and and kind of uh, create offense that way because you got to create offense a lot of different ways when you're down the lineup a little bit and and I, I really liked his game and and speaking of of another guy um, that I think we both liked the game of uh, last night I thought Valnachuskin looked looked really really good in in his second game back yeah he was the lowest ice time he was at nine fifty four but he set up the carrot goal he got his first assist and then. He had four shots on net, too. So although he wasn't out there for long, he made the most of his time on the ice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think he looked really good. There was, you know, a, a big chunk of time when he was playing with uh, Jason Spezza and Alexander Radulov, and I think that line looked really, really good. I think we're going to see more of that uh, for sure. I think there's some chemistry developing there. Um, and, and the other thing that kind of I've always looked for when evaluating Val um, I believe I, man, way, way, way back when, once upon a time, I, I think I wrote a blog post about this, but when he's feeling good and, and when he's right, he's going to the net and, and he's not afraid to get to those dirty areas. Uh, and last night in the first period, the the moment that I really thought that, you know, Val is back and, and Val's playing really well, 
um, and, and he's feeling it a little bit was, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was, it was a little bit of a give and go, uh, coming through the neutral zone, Val had the puck, pass it off and just, just turned on the jets a little bit and just headed. He just used that nose for the net, went right to the crease, um, and, and right there low in the slot, got the pass back and, and put a really nice shot on that. And, and that's what Val does well. Um, he's got a big body. Um, he can be physical. And by physical, I don't necessarily mean hitting and, and that, that kind of physicality. I mean just, just using your body to create space, uh, using your body to you know, get open, get to the hard areas, low in the slot, you know, in the crease. And, and I thought he did that really well, particularly on that first period scoring chance that that kind of, you know, it kind of made me sit up a little bit and say, you know, that's that's the Val that, you know, we drafted. And that's the Val that, you know, in his, his first season when he was, um, you know, looking good over here in the NHL before he went back to Russia. Um, you know, that's those are the kinds of plays that that he makes those those hard nosed. I'm going to go to the net. You can come with me if you want, but I'm going to go to the net and get the puck on net. And, and it was good to see that. Certainly. Yeah, when I think of a signature Val move, I picture him skating up the ice on the right side. He's got a guy on his left, and he uses that left shoulder to push the guy off the puck, and then he takes it backhand and then wraps it around the goalie, taking it forehand and then putting it by the right uh, pad. Those are some of the signature Val goals that we've seen and signature Val rushes that we've seen over the years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I guess to kind of round out you know discussion of, of some individuals from from last night, Honka was, you know, he, he got his first start. You know, he's back in the lineup. Uh, the free Honka movement won out uh, last night when he came in for Roman Polak. Um, and, and it made the defensive pairings a little bit different, a lot of it different, actually. Uh, I think Mathot and Honka is, is probably where you want to be because I think Honka is too much of a defensive liability to not have a little bit more of a defensive-minded defenseman with him. Um, so I think anytime you see Honka in the lineup, he's more than likely going to get paired with you know, a Mathot type, a Polak type, um, you know, something like that. Although I don't know at this point if Polak and Honka would ever be in the same game. I guess it just depends on, on who's playing well and who's going well. But um, I did I did like that pairing. I think Honka looked a little uncomfortable and overwhelmed at times, especially early, just kind of getting his legs back underneath him. Um, but yeah, he ended up having a fine game. I think he had a, a scoring chance from the circle in, in one of the later periods that was pretty nice. Uh, he created a little bit of offense, which is, you know, obviously the strength of his game um, as opposed to, you know, the defensive side. He still looks a little uncomfortable in his own zone. He still looks a little uncomfortable um, making decisions and, and sometimes a little uncomfortable under duress. But I didn't mind that pairing. Like I said, I think that that Honk is a guy that you have to pair with somebody like Mathot. Um, but the other interesting point is that that pushed Carrick and Haskinen together. And, you know, they were they were pretty sheltered. I I think I saw from Sean Shapiro that they had zero defensive zone um, face-offs. So they were, that's the definition of sheltered as far as a defensive pair goes. But at the same time, I, I, I mean, I liked their game. I thought they played well. I think, I think Haskin and Carrick both had, had pretty good games. Um, and I think that's a pairing that could grow together and, and have, a, have a pretty good, uh, pretty good chemistry develop uh, if, if that's what they choose to do and if they choose to keep them together. But um, we'll see. I mean, obviously Klingberg and, and um, S on the on the on the top defensive pair is not going to go anywhere. I think that's going to be the one constant. You're not going to see them broken up. They've developed a really good uh, chemistry. I think that's our top two, uh, pretty much unquestioned. But but we'll see because you know moving from you know Honka into another topic we wanted to talk about and, and maybe the last one for for this week's episode was um, just just Monty coming out today 
and and saying that he wants to get in in this back to back in these next two games because the Stars obviously travel to uh, to Ottawa tomorrow uh, and then to the Devils um, <clears throat> on Tuesday. Uh, and and Jim Montgomery came out today and said he wanted to get uh, Rope Hintz back in the lineup. Wanted to get uh, Smith in the lineup for I think the first time this year, and and uh, wanted to probably get Polak back in the lineup. So. Who knows if they'll go back to uh, the defensive pairings that they were using with Mathot um, and Carrick uh, and then uh, Polak and uh, I mean Polak and Carrick and, and Mathot and Haskin and that's what I meant. Uh, if they'll go back to those, if they want to get Polak in a game or, or potentially bring somebody else at and, and give uh, give Honka another shot. But I think that Smith in particular is a guy that you want to get in kind of almost like the backup goalie situation. I think that that Monty probably views um, you know, healthy scratches in a similar way where you don't want guys just sitting up there and rotting in the press box, especially a guy that can bring uh, energy like Smith does. And, w- and we saw it all uh, last year. You know, whenever he would uh, be a healthy scratch for a couple games and then get back in, he really was was an injection of life and energy. Uh, he plays with a ton of it. Um, and, and I'd like to see him get in and, and see where he slots in to, uh, to one of the bottom lines and, and see what kind of energy he can bring. So, uh, and then Hintz, obviously, I think has played very well in the preseason and in his time um, uh, in the regular season. So I wouldn't be surprised. And it sounds like we will see all three of them get in at some point in this back-to-back. So um, I guess we'll just have to uh, to wait and see. Yeah, it's getting kind of hard for me to keep up with all these line changes. But I think it was definitely for the better on Saturday, last night, when they started out the second period with some shifts and you know, the, the top line all of a sudden became Como. And Sagan and Ben, and clearly that worked out to their advantage after getting a record-setting 30 shots on net in the second period. Yep, and Como had the assist, I believe, on the Ben goal, the secondary assist. I think if you look... Officially. If you look at the game overall and just the homestand overall, you're very happy with what you saw. Last night wasn't the best 60-minute effort, but it certainly was a 20-minute effort, and we're starting to see a little bit more of that depth scoring. We saw Hudobin's first game, and he looked he, – he was fine. He wasn't bad. He wasn't great, but he was fine, which is what you want out of your backup guy. And we'll probably see him again on Tuesday in Newark. But now the Stars head out for their first road trip of the season. Like you mentioned, they head to Canada, Ontario, tomorrow night. And they're going to be playing – Ottawa is – Montgomery mentioned it today that Ottawa is one of those teams that everybody just assumes is going to be – absolutely terrible but they could turn out to be a team like the avalanche where you go from being horrible one season to making the playoffs the next season yeah i mean we'll have to see i think that monty's a guy that that has already proven that he uh is not one to make disparaging comments about opponents um so i mean we'll get a better look tomorrow obviously if if that's a uh you know, if that's a team that's legitimately maybe a threat to to kind of improve and, and be a little bit of a sleeper, or if, you know, that's just Monty kind of blowing smoke because he's not a coach that likes to go out and, and, and say uh, say disparaging things. Not many of them do. They're, it's it's very hard to find a coach that uh, wants to go to the media and talk about how great his team is and about how we should beat this team tomorrow four to nothing and get out of there. But um, I guess we'll see. I, I think the thing I'm most excited about is is – you know, like you said, the first chance to see the team on the road, uh, see how they respond, see how the the, uh, the scoring travels, um, see how they respond in a back-to-back, uh, it's first back-to-back of the season, um, and then they'll be right back at home on, on Friday. But but yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about Wednesday uh, with these two games, with this, this back-to-back and, and the first road trip and uh, seeing uh, maybe some more line juggling and, and getting some more guys in there. So 
Um, I guess that'll that'll just about do it uh, for this Sunday episode of the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast. As we creep ever closer to double digits, um, we will be back Wednesday uh, with, uh, like I said, discussion of Stars Senators and Stars Devils. Um, the Stars, obviously now, uh, three wins heading in. So if they can get one more uh, and come home uh, with four wins uh, before another home game with the Wild on Friday... Um, I think they're uh, they're starting to show that that they might be willing to take advantage of of what we talked about as kind of a lighter October in a pretty favorable schedule. So uh, we'll see if they can uh, continue this uh, this trend of of playing well, uh, set themselves up uh, with a pretty good record heading into what we've also talked about, and, and we'll get into it a, a later date for sure. Is a a tougher November and, and a much tougher schedule. Um, so I think if you're the stars, you definitely want to kind of continue this and, and get yourself a little cushion uh, to work with before you head into that month. But uh, as I said, we'll be back on Wednesday uh, with another episode, two games to discuss. We've had a couple episodes here with just one game to discuss. So it'll be nice to have two, uh, a little bit more to work with. Hopefully some guys get back in the lineup. We can get a look at them. Um, and until then, I guess we will uh, we will sign off for now. Billy, thanks for joining me again. Always happy to be here. Absolutely. So we will talk to you guys uh, on Wednesday. Be on the lookout. Uh, Hopefully we will get that up uh, in the evening sometime, not too late. I know last week's episode was a little late, around 9 or so, um, as we were still working through uh, firing our (laughs) our imaginary audio engineer uh, and working through our audio problems, which, again, uh, hopefully these sound better now uh, the way we're doing them. So please let us know. Please, please let us know if, if they sound well or sound well, I sound well, hopefully, uh, getting over my sickness. But if these episodes sound good uh, and everything's coming out all right. But until then, we will sign off for now of this episode of the 30 Minute Misconduct Podcast. You guys have a good end to your Sunday. Uh, Have a good beginning to your week, and we will check back in on Wednesday. 